Hello, and welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow podcast, which seeks to offer glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. In this, our second season, we are still diving deeper into the concept of vocation. Our theme is Called Forth, Vocation and Faith, and the guiding questions we will consider are, who are we called to become, and what are we called to do? Though I'm confident we will never fully or universally answer these questions, I am sure that we will glean something of value from each of our guests. Uh, I'm Will Shine, your host today, and today's guest is my good friend, Sarah DePhillips. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for joining us on Forecast. I uh, was hoping you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, when you are, why you are, all those things. And uh, I'll let you do that in no particular order. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'm Sarah. I am passionate about sharing the hope of the gospel with people, specifically through sustainability, sustainable community development, and especially sustainable agriculture. I'm currently working in Suffolk, Virginia at a ministry called Hope for Suffolk. I am the farm manager here. I'm a farmer. Um, I'm managing a small farm in which we run a program for teenagers. It's an eight-month internship where the teenagers participate in paid work and training, all from a biblical perspective. As the farm manager, uh, it is an organic farm. It's about an acre, and I, I do all the planning for the crop management, the soil management, the work management um, for our 40 interns and our 50 plus customers. We, we do sell the produce that we grow here. So that's a little bit about who I am and where I am and what I'm doing right now. Awesome. Awesome. Sarah and I uh, first met each other, um, I think three, I mean, immediately through your husband who uh, was going, coming to the church that I worked at in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is now, gosh, uh, I want to say 11, yeah, 11, 12 years ago now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we, one of our claims to fame was we started maybe the greatest pickup ultimate Frisbee game of all time, uh, Sundays. Maybe it was definitely, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, definitely. Let's just, let's just claim it, name it and claim it. Uh, yeah. Ultimate Frisbee was a big part. And Sarah and I did a lot with, uh, sort of what? got umbrella termed as young adult uh, ministry stuff at uh, the Windward Church of the Nazarene in Kaneohe, Hawaii, where Sarah also developed like a really awesome community garden. And uh, I know you did your master's degree in sustainability at HPU while you were living in Hawaii pretty early on into your stint there, it seemed. And uh, for our audience, tell us a little bit more about what is this uh, uh, S word, sustainability, that you are throwing around. Uh, yeah, tell me. It's a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, you won't you won't find one cohesive definition. But generally, I like to think about it as doing things in a way that you could continue to do those things in that way indefinitely without doing harm to to people or to the systems, the earth systems that keep people alive. Um, so in a lot of ways, that means f- 
finding better ways to do things. In a lot of ways, we're already doing things in ways that are harmful to the environment and harmful to people. So a lot of sustainability work has to do with creating better systems and finding better ways to do life on this planet together. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that seems reasonable. <laughs> um, I know that you've, you've, you come from a background uh, in your undergrad of, I think you did biblical studies and international development. Is that right? It was intercultural studies. Okay. Uh, so it was a, a big focus on missions and missiology. Okay, right, right. And you went to a kind of analogous, not analogous is not the right word, but like parallel sort of uh, a Christian liberal arts college, different part of the country than uh, my co-host Josh and I uh, did. Yep. But a pretty similar, I imagine, experience in that, in that sort of immersive world where you see a lot of intersection of Christianity, uh, Christian, well, ideally Christian principle, uh, whatever that is, and and uh, uh, all the flavors, and and then you know, sort of uh, practical out there in the world, jobs and occupations and vocations. Uh, again, this season we're really kind of diving into notions of vocation and calling. And uh, we'll come back in a moment, I'm sure, to some of the uh, specific ways in which you've sort of helped to realize this. But given your sort of background in biblical studies, and I know you to be uh, quite the theologian, uh, uh, what, what would you sort of offer as like a working definition of those terms, that is vocation and calling? How do you, how do you understand those terms? What, what do they mean to you? And or what do you think they mean for the world and, and the body of Christ or anybody for that matter? Yeah, that's such a great question. I was thinking as I was preparing for this, I was thinking and I was like, man, if I saw this as a topic of a breakout session at a conference, I would totally go to that breakout <laughs> session because like I I need somebody to, to answer that question for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's funny that you're answering, asking me these questions. But I tend to think of it at this point in my life. I tend to think of calling more of who God has called us to be. And I think of that in in two senses, one in a general sense of God has given us his word and he has given us, you know, the life of Jesus to look at. And he's called us to conform to the image of Jesus. Um, and that's, that's general to every, every Christian, every human. I think God desires to, to come to know him and to come to be more like him in our character. And then in a specific sense of he's given each and each and every one of us different talents, different passions. Um, so our calling is, is to, to become more like God and to know him more. And then specifically to live out the gifts that he's given us and the passions that he's given us. Um, and that, that really gets to the who. Hmm. Whereas vocation, I think more of what we do, what we do with our day, what we do with our time. Hmm. Um, that might be a, a job that we go to work and get paid for. That might be caring for children. That might be caring for an elderly parent. You know, there's lots of things that come into vocation that might be caring for a garden. Um, but I, I think of, of calling is who and a vocation is what at this point in my, hmm. in my journey. I like that. I like that. Calling is who and vocation is what. And I also, um, I really like how you talked about 
uh, what what is a lot of things what is what is simply what you, what you do with your time uh, that's a very interesting framing that's very that's very liberating I think a lot of people feel trapped uh, in in and have a sense of this is the exact thing I want to do and you might feel passionate about it I know we've talked about it a lot and a lot of uh, what I know of your journey has been sort of reconciling a real deep your own, not the world's deepest longing necessarily, which is true too, but your own deep longings and passions and interests uh, and having to sometimes delay those things or sometimes yes. wait uh, or find alternatives. And I know that that's been difficult. Can you speak a little bit to some of that journey? And you can go into as much detail as you like, but some of the journey of sort of, because uh, the, the definition you just gave points to not just delayed gratification, but a very like, earnest sense of showing up and being present and doing the thing, whatever the thing is, as in terms of vocation and who is, and, and, and doing that in a Christ-like way. And so yeah. how have you reconciled your own passions and interests, uh, which are very noble, obviously, we talked about that at the beginning, uh, with not being able to do them all the time, and then yeah. this generic sort of uh, show up and do something idea. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that I've, I've struggled with, um, I guess is a good way to put it. I obviously, you know, did my undergrad in intending to go overseas and be a missionary pretty much as soon as I graduated. And, um, you came overseas, just not out of the country. (laughs) Yes. True. Good point. Okay. So I I was intending to go internationally to, to, um, to do community development in a place that was, you know, very financially impoverished was kind of the Mm -hmm. vision I had for myself. And, um, I ended up in Hawaii instead, mostly because of my husband's job and, uh, just started building on that idea by, you know, doing, doing a master's degree that I thought would help me with, the community development aspect of that, that dream of doing missions work. But it really sort of shifted, it shifted my who as well as my why in that it opened my eyes to more problems in the world that I honestly was contributing to rather than solving, Mm. but also to this aspect of the heart of God that I had not recognized before. Um, so I did a lot of things vocationally in Hawaii that were in the sustainability sector, but weren't necessarily moving me in my vision toward my, my dream or my goal of, of doing missions work internationally. Um, and yet all those things gave me opportunities to A, hone, hone my skills and my character and B, try to be an incarnation of the gospel Mm. in different situations, not just the one that I was trying to get to. And um, even starting the community garden, that was more, uh, that was a volunteer position instead of, you know, a job. Yeah. Um, And that was more sort of the living out. I, I really, by that point, I'd done so much work in and with the sustainability community that I was beginning to realize that my passion was agriculture, which was totally not on my radar when I did my undergrad. Right. But I just had this vision of like agriculture being applicable 
all over the world. Everyone eats food. <laughs> and also, like, strangely biblical. Like, there's so many... They, the, the cultures in the Bible are so agrarian. Right. There's so much connection to the land and to growing food. Um, the metaphors that Jesus uses, the, you know, a lot of the rules and laws in the Old Testament, like so much of it is based on this agra uh, agrarian society. And um, so it's theologically enjoying the practice of growing food, as well as the sustainability implications yeah. of the way the way that we grow food today is just really, really unsustainable and really mm. unhealthy. Mm. Um, so that was really where I was finding this confluence of my passions and the world's needs, but I wasn't able to, to get a job in that. So I just started this community garden as a way to sort of live that out and dream and hope and that sort of thing. But I was, I was doing jobs that were different. Um, and I was enjoying those jobs and I was learning from those jobs, but my heart and my passion were really in the community garden. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, to sort of balance both, you know, to see this, this who I am and what passions God has given me coming out in, in this volunteering and trying to live out who that was, that was shaping me into because our, what we do also shapes us. You know, we think about what we do as us shaping the world, our impact on the world. Yeah. But it really goes both ways. It shapes us and changes us as well. So trying to live that out as well in my vocation, in my, my paid jobs, um, where I was still learning about sustainability and still getting to participate in, in a sustainability community and a sustainability, you know, landscape there. But that really had nothing to do with sustainable agriculture, which is where I was learning my passion was. Wow. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, no, totally, totally does. And, and you locate it so well in sort of your, you know, your experience and journey. And yeah, and yeah, I was curious about reconciling those things. Cause again, I think sometimes so many of us start out with, uh, especially those of us who come from sort of, uh, Christian backgrounds and, and especially with, notions of Christian ministry or inherited notions of Christian ministry, we anticipate some sort of, uh, we talked about this in the last episode too with our friend Jarrell, but um, we anticipate this uh, glorious trajectory and sort of benchmarks and, and like uh, doing these, you know, incredulous things that people will write about in, in, in the histories um, that's our vision and that's what we believe we need to achieve or participate in so, so that we're faithful to this calling or, 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 or developing notions of vocation. And that's just usually not true, <laughs> or at least not entirely true. Uh, and you, or you, not seasonally true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's something that God's been teaching me too, that like there's, I'm now in a season where I feel like my vocation is fully aligned with with my passions. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause, that cause I know you have had the opportunity now, you know, albeit delayed by a decade or so to, and, and this yeah. isn't to say that you didn't do a little bit of international sort of work back, uh, in, in your Hawaii season, but, um, you, um, you are doing kind of what you had envisioned at, at that, yeah. at that onset. Uh, it's, it's kind of happening in real life. Tell us a little bit about your, your current, work and projects that you've been able to participate in and how they all kind of interrelate 
uh, in both in sort of the agricultural sustainable world and in that intersection with sort of uh, theology and, and biblical pra- uh, biblically informed practices and what that means exactly for you. Yeah, so as, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm working with Hope for Suffolk, which is a, a ministry of a local church, Presbyterian church in Suffolk, Virginia. And we are running an internship for teenagers, for students. Um, we try to target students who have some sort of obstacle in their life, whether that be financial or relational or mental or emotional or academic, whatever it is. Um, that we are essentially a ministry to help these students realize their potential and um, to realize to realize the gospel. You know, we we don't have a lot of churched kids in our program, hmm. um, so we're really trying to give kids the opportunity to do a paid work internship, and we do training, um, everything from conflict resolution and healthy relationships to how to write your resume and putting them through mock interviews. You know, everything from basic relationships to very concrete job skills, but it's all from a biblical perspective. So it's very much a ministry. Hmm. It's very much um, sharing the gospel with these students, but through practical, tangible work and workshop experiences. so in that way, like I, I fully see myself as being in ministry. You yeah, know, I like that those ideas aren't segregated, community. right? Uh, you're mm-hmm. not. Um, I think another thing that I'm sure you inherited, like I did, at least at some point, and uh, this this sense that like ministry is this really specific niche se- sequence of jobs and yep. or positions or 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 readings of Bible, you know what I mean? That that is what constitutes. And that's just, again, that's something that we've problematized again in this season a bit, but uh, yeah, that's, that's helpful to hear again and, and iterated and uh, made manifest through, as you're talking about through these practices in particular is even more sort of rich because they do ironically come back and circle back into sort of historical biblical you know examples um right so anyways i'm sorry i interrupted please continue yeah, no 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 so i very much see myself as being in ministry and this is very much a community development organization um in that you know our, our goal is to lift up students who don't have opportunities into a position where they do have opportunities at the same time um i'm very much immersed in the agricultural part of it and the sustainability part of it. Uh, so we we really push practices. We practice techniques here that are organic, no-till. You know, we're not certified organic. That's very expensive. But we have a relationship with all of our customers, and we we grow as if we were certified organic. Um, Doing good so, even if no one's looking or you're getting credit for it. I like right, it. Right, right. <laughs> integrity in our our agricultural practices here so i i really get to oversee the farm part of it as a huge part of my job uh and and make the decisions about you know what we're growing and how we're growing it and when we're growing it and to to take care of the soil and to take care of the water and and steward the resources and 
that sort of thing that I really nerd out in my sustainability background. Mm. Um, and I just get to be outside like all day, every day, which is amazing to me. But <laughs> I, I love that part of my That's job. Awesome. Um, yeah. I'm hardly ever at my computer. Like people know not to use my email because I won't answer them. <laughs> <laughs> send, send a pigeon. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Look to the skies. That's um, how you'll know, Sarah. Yeah. Right. So I, I really enjoy what all the aspects of what I'm doing, and on top of that, um, through the church that I'm working with, I was given the opportunity last fall to go and do a training in Zimbabwe with an organization called Foundations for Farming, which they teach sustainable agriculture practices specific for people who are growing in Africa and especially people who are growing in very poor regions in Africa. Mm. So sustainable agriculture in the US looks completely different, same principles, but very different crops, very different rain cycles, very different, you know, all that sort of thing. Sure. Um, so I got to go in and get trained on this teaching method and this farming method that's very specific to uh, rural Africa and I've gotten the opportunity now to go and co-train with uh, a friend, and now a friend, who also went to this training in Zimbabwe who's from Togo. And so I got to go and do one of these trainings, run one of these trainings in Togo for mm. um, people who you know, have no idea about sustainable agriculture, but whose entire livelihood depends on growing in the space that they have to grow. So this is scheduled to become a regular part of my job that awesome. I get to go once or twice a year and um, help run these ag trainings in Togo and maybe other parts of West Africa. <laughs> and that's that's just like God's grace, awesome. you know, that I've, I've come all of this way not being able to do what I originally wanted to do and mm. do what I originally planned to do. And suddenly, you know, the doors are opening that I'm able to do Hope for Suffolk as my main job and then go overseas and help run sustainable ag trainings as a bonus short term. Wow. Yeah. Best of all worlds, grace. I guess. Yeah. yeah. A couple of things come up in that, in that, in what you've just said there that I'm sort of struck by, I imagine in some ways in, in the context that you're talking about, I mean, Zimbabwe and Togo, are obviously also worlds. Of, I mean, that's a continent of the United States between the two of them, at least I think Yes. Uh, in terms of distance. So that even that learning the different practices that are helpful in those very different geographic locations. Um, but then I also imagine you kind of get to participate in some degree of um, contextual like recovery. And there might be like embedded or ancient traditions that have existed there that maybe once were or are or continue to be um, uh, analogous or parallel to, I've been really in love with that word today, and I think that time it was correct, uh, uh, to some of the things that have been relearned, I guess, maybe in the Western Academy or in sustainability programs that have been true of these cultures or these peoples and places for a long time, and to help people reconnect in those places too must feel all the more sort of special, I guess, or or interesting. And I don't know, I could be totally wrong about that. There might be best practices that have evolved in a lab somewhere, somewhere else, and then now are being sort of dispersed around the world. But I imagine some of those places uh, got the short end of the stick, as as many sort of colonial locales did, um, uh, in so many ways, not least of which was a disconnect from maybe 
um, or a discouragement from traditional practices. Have you seen any of those things kind of kind of re-enter the picture or inform some of the practices that you're helping to train on and learned about yourself now that you also see intersection with uh, a, a spiritedness or a spirit-filledness that helps make sense of why it matters that this sort of farming practice is done a certain way besides it just being practical or most efficient? I still have a lot to learn and that's something that um, keeps coming out in, you know, in my trip to Zimbabwe, in my first trip to Togo, I have a lot to learn hmm. about everything. Um, I think one of the neat things about going back to the basics of agriculture in, in a society that is totally dependent is that they do things a lot more in the way that they were done in the Bible. You know, they have more of this agrarian society outlook in that life is built around the rhythms of rain and drought mm. and planting and harvest and that sort of thing. And they, um, we have given them a lot of bad agricultural practices from the West. Mm. Um, and some of the, the foundations for farming teaching that we do is, is trying to undo some of that. But yeah. I think the coolest thing is the message that they, they have what they need to, to practice agricultural agriculture in a way that also <laughs> is worshipful. Mm. Uh, and that's foundations for farming is, is very biblically based and uh, it's a stewardship program as much as or more than it is an ag program. And that's, that's what we teach constantly is stewardship of the soil, stewardship of your seed, stewardship of the water, uh, and, and not teaching techie things or fancy things, but just teaching excellent stewardship of the resources that you have and therefore, you know, getting much higher yields and much better harvests with more effort, more time, more careful management, but n not with any fancy tractors or special, you know, soil amendments or anything like that. You, you already have what you need. You just have to steward it well mm. is kind of the message. And that message brings so much joy because we've encountered this concept of like, we, we don't have what we need. We need, you know, the West has kind of messed things up, but also we need the West to give us the technology or the, you know, whatever it is. And, and the message is, no, you, you have what you need and God has given you what you need and you honor God by, by stewarding, stewarding your resources well and by telling your neighbors um, wow. about the gospel and about <sighs> why you're farming this way. Um, that's so cool because it plays back into the the the, the sort of two way vocation idea that you 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 teased out a little bit earlier too that I'll I'll bring back now and the sort of mutual shaping and the and the, the sort of two directions of of formation that come about uh, and and on a more macro level I I kind of I mean this is a message that I think a lot of people need to hear where they're at. Like you said, you do both. You do this work in Togo and Zimbabwe, but you do this work in Norfolk, Virginia, too. 
in the mid-Atlantic United States, not far from the center of power in the, in the, in the, in the at least in North America and uh, DC and stuff. And so, uh, what a, what a, you know, uh, give and take lesson there, right? That uh, there's something to be said from that principle that seems applicable to so many of us that feel trapped. Um, and like you also mentioned earlier too, trapped in practices that are harmful that you're not even, we're not even aware of. We don't even yeah. think about them. We don't give them times of the time of day. Um, and I love that we said, you've got what you need. God has given you what you need. Uh, now you get to steward resources. And there's a lot of joy that comes from that. It's That's not- one of the four foundations for farming principles is that if you practice, you know, good stewardship, the result is joy. It's not anguish, it's joy. joy. Oh, you, yeah. you nailed it. Did you study up on this? <laughs> <laughs> I might have. No, no. Uh, uh, well, I, I mean, I've certainly uh, been very uh, influenced and, and informed by some of your journey and some of your teaching. I remember many years ago we did a, as 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 all you know, book studies do or Bible studies do. We did a nice tour to Leviticus. I think <laughs> everyone's I excited Leviticus. about Leviticus, <laughs> but really, it was so. I mean, that's such a neglected and ignored, you know, uh, uh, laws and rules book, right? Uh, but so much in there, you yeah, you start to see the connective tissue to theological principles of that emerge in, in the tradition that are so connected to, like you said, agrarian life and agrarian practice and stewardship and rhythm and, and the year of Jubilee and, and, you know, Sabbath, all this stuff that all connects right back to the land. Um, and that there's something, um, I feel like just so many of us miss or overlook or become impatient and we're so caught up in our loops that we just don't, uh, pause to, to pay attention to that because it's it, it's it's very indicting I think a lot of people are afraid of that indictment how have you navigated that I think because some sometimes you're the prophet right you're 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 the harbinger of what feels like or seems like bad news sometimes or 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 a call to repentance in some ways right and I don't necessarily mean that uh, you know you're not showing up in in countries abroad and saying repent you know nor are you necessarily going to your neighbor in virginia and saying repent but you are you're inviting people into a way of life that is at least in the u.s context is so radically different for most people uh than what they've become accustomed to how do you how do you deal with resistance to that how do you find space uh and or create space for people to learn and or take on some of these practices that are going to ultimately not just benefit themselves, but their entire communities and the world at large. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the word inviting. I think um, that's kind of, that's how I do sustainability. And that's how I also do evangelism in a lot of ways, is that uh, trying to cram any new idea or the idea that someone's doing something wrong down someone's throat is just going to have a bad reaction. Um, so my my goal is to live the gospel as well as living sustainability in as many ways possible in my day-to-day life and to, to let that become who I am and then come out in what I do hmm. in a way that it makes people ask questions uh, and then be ready to answer those questions. And I don't 
I don't do things perfectly. I don't do sustainability perfectly. I definitely don't do zero waste perfectly. I definitely don't do sustainable ag perfectly. Um, I try to do the best I can with what I have at the time. And I also try to keep in mind that the heart of God is so big. There's so much brokenness and so many issues in the world that we all have different different aspects of our calling that we're all passionate about different things. And mine is sustainability. And I hope to inspire people and invite people into more sustainable lifestyles and more um, justice seeking lifestyles. You know, that being ecological justice as well as social justice. And I also know that there's tons and tons of worthy causes that the heart of God cares about that I don't have the capacity to be fully involved in and that there are other people who are fully involved, you know, like hmm. there are so many things. There are so many ways that sin and brokenness have a grip on the world. And there are so many people fighting back in so many ways. And my calling is sustainability and growing food um, in, a, in a way that honors the earth and honors God and honors people. And that might not be somebody else's calling. And if it is, if they see that in my life and they want to get involved, hallelujah, like that's awesome. I'm there to, to guide them and invite them into that. But if their calling is to be all in, in another aspect of sharing the gospel with people and helping people and serving people and loving God, like, hallelujah, maybe I don't have time to be involved in that mm. because I'm fully involved in this. And like, let's, let's encourage each other, you know? Um, and, and if I want to get involved in that and you can help me get involved in that, great. And if you want to get involved in what I'm involved in and I can invite you into that, awesome. But like, let's be the body of Christ. You know, let's, let's have our, our, our same calling to honor God, to build the kingdom. And then let's have our different functions as well. Um, and, and let's make those different aspects of calling attractive to each other and make, invite each other in to ask questions and to have dialogue. And I would love for everyone in the church to, to feel called to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And I, I hope that that becomes true, but you know, in the meantime, I can just demonstrate ways in my life to make that mm. easier for people to step into. Yeah. Wow. Well, Sarah, I really appreciate the time you've taken to talk with me and, and enlighten our listeners today. Um, any other parting thoughts that you would be remiss to not uh, uh, drop upon us uh, or leave us with before, uh, before we wrap things up here? What are some ways... Um, Maybe some uh, <clears throat> some things that you're going to be continuing to do into the future that you could share um, that sort of, again, demonstrate this intersection that's so interesting and, uh, again, thought-provoking. And then maybe, uh, maybe some quick, helpful tips and tricks, things that we can consider in our context. I think most of our listeners are UK-based and then US-based, uh, secondly. And so uh, what are some things in our sort of day-to-day -day routines that uh, you would have us uh, consider as sort of maybe a, uh, a new sort of practice, a dimension of um, uh, vocation, uh, a way to answer calling in some other uh, uh, manner that we have previously neglected. 
<laughs> that's a that's a tall order. I'll do my best. Hmm. Um, I think in both in doing environmental and sustainability work as well as doing ministry and social justice work, my my top admonition would be stay hopeful. Hmm. I see a lot of burnout in the sustainability community as well as the church community. And unfortunately those communities don't overlap very much. Yeah. Um, but I, I see a lot of the same uh, defeat and hopelessness take root in those two communities in some circles. Um, and I think what God is teaching me now is that it's not our job to be God, it's just our job to be faithful. Mm. We don't have the capacity to you know, single-handedly defeat sin and brokenness and, and change the world. Um, but we serve a God who does have that capacity. And so all we need to do is what he's put before us to do today and, and to play our part in that system and to just have hope in, in doing that um, and to stay hopeful. It's a good word. As far as a day-to-day living sustainability thoughts, uh, I would encourage everyone to to get to know your local farmers, you know, to, to look into your local food system wherever you live in the world. Yeah. To, um, to see who's growing food around you, how they're growing it, start a conversation with them and um, see how you can partner with and support them, even if that's just by showing up at their farm and asking for a tour and, um, you know, maybe patronizing their their farm stand or their farm share rather than a grocery store that's selling things that came from across the world or see what local stores sell you know local produce that sort of thing yeah um that would be my my plug for sustainable agriculture but there's so many resources about sustainable living in very simple ways and again it's to stay hopeful and not get overwhelmed with like oh i can't do this perfectly so i'm not going to do it at all Mm. like that's not at all the attitude that we need right right you know small small changes a little bit at a time i think you you and yasha have experienced that as well as Mm. you know i went through it i haven't been a sustainability advocate or freak my whole life um i just have made tiny changes one at a time over the years and so just finding one small thing you can do this month and then find one small thing you can change next month right and you know make a commitment to make a, a big change over the course of five or ten years you don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Um, wow. Wow. Sarah, thanks again so much for joining us. And uh, I'm sure we'll all be uh, looking forward to following up with you in the future, uh, both in the context of another interview, perhaps, and or just following your work. Uh, we'll try to link that in on the website and in this podcast episode uh, blast so you can keep up with what uh, Sarah DePhillips is doing, both in Norfolk, Virginia uh, with the ministry there and abroad and elsewhere. And then maybe who knows some side blogs or projects that will come up with Sarah's tips and tricks <coughs> slash, uh, staying hopeful. I like that. Uh, keep keeping the hope alive. So, uh, thanks again, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you. Will. it's been a pleasure. Awesome. And with that foreshadow is an online spiritual literary magazine rooted in the Christian faith. Our website is foreshadowmagazine.com, and we are on various social media platforms. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to now, 
and be sure to share it through your own social channels. I'm Will Shine, and that's the forecast for today.